Squad Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog from sports odds to free casino games making play at bodog.net. One and JPAT here with you with the off-season edition of the pod as we uh, got a little bit of Canucks news, JPAT, coming down the is it the pike or the pipe? I've never really <laughs> know exactly which one it is. I guess it works both ways. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> we'll endeavor to get an answer over the yes. off season. It's a long off season. We've got time to do some homework yes. and some research. But this is why we're going to keep doing these pods: is that there will be nuggets and bits of info and the Abbotsford playoffs and all those types of things. There's stuff to talk about, and we know that uh, there's a market out there, and people, uh, certainly hardcore Canuck fans, uh, can't get enough. So that's what. Uh, Rinkwide's all about, uh, yes, there are NHL playoffs going on, and you know, we'll dip in and give our thoughts, but we will try our best to keep this focused where, uh, you know, in our wheelhouse, and that is uh, covering off the Vancouver Canucks and, to a lesser degree, the Abbotsford Canucks. Whatever happens in the Canuck organization, we're here for you. We got you covered. I think some people are already surprised that, uh, you know, yeah. a, few days remu- a, few, a few days removed from Patrick Alvin and Rick Talkett and those year-end media availabilities, and then, you know, we recorded. What? It's like new, fresh content. Yeah, absolutely. And there will be. Yeah. Uh, so stick with us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we know that you guys want Canucks news. We'll give it yeah. to you. And we got some today. So uh, Elias Pettersson, not the 100-point superstar, the other one, the defenseman <laughs> that they drafted in the third round in 2022, has signed an entry-level contract uh, with the Canucks. I was thinking about it as Carolina plays um, New York in the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs with the, the two Sebastian Ajos. Has there ever been a team with the, with two players with the same, exactly the same name on it. Like I know there's two Matt Murray's in the NHL nowadays as well two Sebastian Ajo's, as I mentioned, but ever on the same team. And of course the defenseman, Elias Pettersson's got a ways to go here before he'll be uh, with Vancouver. But uh, have you ever, can you think of anyone on the top of your head that played together? Yeah, well, I mean, the Canucks had two Greg Adams for a oh, while. Oh, that's right. And that's they right. were both forwards. So at least there's a distinction here that one of the EPs is a forward and one's a defenseman. But yeah, Greg Adams, Greg Gus Adams, and Greg C. Adams. That's right. Both BC boys. I think uh, Greg C. Adams was from the island, uh, Duncan area, and Greg Adams, uh, Greg Gus Adams from the Kootenays. So uh, yeah, we've been down this road before in Vancouver. And as you said, uh, there's a ways to go before uh, EP2, uh, the defenseman, uh, we're going to spend a lifetime trying to come up with a, a way to uh, uh, delineate the two of them. But look, everything about this is a good news story for the player and for the organization. Uh, this is a third-round guy that you know played in the World Juniors, played in the SHL, uh, has developed to the point that the Canucks wanted to get him signed here. Uh, my understanding is that uh, he's going to play another year over in Sweden. He just turned 19, so he's got another opportunity to go back and play the World Juniors uh, next season. And, you know, he was here for the development camp last year at UBC. I would imagine that he'll come back and do the same thing uh, this summer. And again, just continue to familiarize himself with the organization. But, you know, he sort of, he profiles as a guy that's got a little edge to his game, plays a physical style, certainly doesn't shy away. And, you know, we always say, man, it would be nice if they had more right shot guys. He's not one of them. He's a lefty, but. You know, I, I think they're high on him, and I think uh, he has taken strides since he was drafted and will continue to develop. And so, uh, yeah, good for him. Uh, and we've got time here to continue to work on the right, the proper nickname that's going to allow us to know immediately who we're talking about when we're talking about the other EP40. Yeah, I don't know if I'm there EP40. with. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'm there with DPD. 
I just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I, I quite like that. Uh, Nick, I like, I, I like giving him uniform number forty-two, and then he could be EP forty-two. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. That works actually. It does work. Yeah. And, and forgive my ignorance, by the way, because the uh, Greg Adams that I knew well, uh, I hated when I was younger, because, of <laughs> course, I was growing up in Ontario at the time. And all I can uh, think about is that Game 5 OT winner that he put on the uh, the Leafs way back. But, yes, ah, you're right. Sure. The two Greg Adams. One of them, though, didn't pan out as quite as well as the other, right? So we'll see about the Pettersons, though. Maybe uh, Elias Pettersson 2 or EP42, if you will. I will become a legit NHL player, but he's taking the steps now. Yeah. Uh, Christian Wolanin, by the way, we mentioned this as well. We wondered whether he would win uh, the top defenseman award in the AHL, the Eddie Shore award for the AHL's most outstanding defenseman. He won it 55 points in just 49 games with Abbotsford, 1.12 points per game. The highest in a defenseman in the AHL since the 1999-2000 season when John Slaney had 1.22 points per game. John Slaney, Newfoundlander, right? If yep. I'm correct. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So there you go. Christian Willand putting up some uh, historical numbers here. And uh, we know that he got the contract with the Canucks. Um, you know, a, a good a good story for the Canucks. I mean, a guy that is uh, definitely not a young man in this game, but a very good story uh, for Christian Willand. Yeah, and I, I think in hindsight, now that he has earned this award, this distinction from the American Hockey League, maybe we didn't give him enough attention for what he did in Abbotsford this year. You know, we certainly focused on the big league team. Uh, we were aware that he was having a nice season, but the fact that he didn't play an AHL game after the middle of February and still finished as the highest scoring defenseman in the league and, uh, you know, absolutely crushed it as Abbotsford's top scorer. Uh, and again, wasn't with the Abbey team after the middle of February. Uh, he was everything that this organization could have asked for in a depth guy that came in and he showed all right in the preseason. I remember he had a game in Edmonton in the preseason where the Canucks sent a completely inferior lineup to what the Oilers were icing as the home team. And Willenin stood out. Like he, he had a really good game. And I remember there was buzz in the market then. And, you know, he accepted his demotion. He went down to Abbotsford, provided leadership. He provided offense, uh, played and played a lot for Jeremy Colleton. And then when they called him up, didn't look out of place in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of you know, what the future holds for Christian Willan. And I, I, it was just, it was a really good year all around. And it's not done because he'll go and play in the AHL playoffs and be expected to be a leader and do all the things that he did when he was back in Abbotsford. Uh, no, but uh, again, the Canucks uh, without much cap space. So, you know, do they have room for some of these guys that are on close to league minimum contracts next year at the big league level, even if it's as a depth guy or, you know, does he go back to Abbotsford and then bide his time and wait for the call? But he's shown well this year, and I think has left everybody in the organization top to bottom, you know, with something to think about at the very least, that he did not look out of place when he got into the games that he did. Now, again, they weren't terribly significant games for the Vancouver Canucks uh, in terms of, you know, having playoff heft and those types of things. So maybe in that sense, it was a, just a good way to get back up to the National Hockey League. But you know, he's played, he's played with parts of, he's played parts of seasons with four NHL organizations. So uh, this wasn't his first crack at the show. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, you'd expect by this stage of his career that there were going to be nerves and those types of things. Certainly there weren't. And, you know, he just came up, you know, skates well, moves the puck and he'll do that in Abbotsford here in the postseason. And then, you know, we'll see what he got the contract. He's already, you know, he earned the extension Then the organization wanted to keep him in the fold. So, 
Yeah, really curious to see how much we see of him at the NHL level next season. Been a bit of a tough slog for him as a professional. You mentioned the four teams that he played for, Ottawa, L.A., Buffalo, and now Vancouver. He was a fourth-round pick back in 2015 of the Ottawa Senators. However, didn't play a heck of a lot with the sense and sort of dipped. He's been a depth guy throughout his whole professional sure. career, sort of dipped down back and forth. But even even games played down in the AHL, he didn't get a whole lot Uh Although early in his career, he did. But this season's really jumped off the page for him. You know, before he was with Abbotsford, he was with the Ontario Reign in the AHL. And he had an 18-point season in 37 games. Then this one, two, you know, a season later, jumps off the page 55 points uh, in 49 games. 28 years old. Two more years left on the contract that he was given an extension on at 7.75. We talked about just the depth of the defense and how, you know, the Canucks are going to have to live in a world where Oliver Ekman Larson is going to be a part of it. But we also suggested that, you know, maybe some load management might be right for OEL going into next season. That's where a player like Christian Willannon can really help fill the gap for the Canucks. Yeah, a couple of things on Willannon. First of all, if you look at his hockey DB page, and I'd have to go back to confirm this, but really, like, when COVID hit, and we know that it interrupted a season and then there was the bubble and then there was the, you know, all Canadian division and the other playing with individual. Like he just didn't play much hockey. He must've been a taxi squad guy. Yeah. Because you look at sort of those years there where COVID nine games, 15 games for the Ottawa senators in 2021, but you know, one in two games in the minors. So he just wasn't playing much hockey. That tells me he must've been a, a taxi squad guy. Uh, but you go back to his final year at uh, the University of North Dakota. He led his program in scoring as a defenseman and was almost a point-of-game guy at uh, NODAC then and played with Brock Besser, played with Troy Stetcher. You know, so he had some ties to guys that obviously have been uh, parts of the Canuck organization as well. And look, for years, the Canucks had nothing in the system. Now they're starting to add volume. And the question is, who's going to separate themselves. So they're taking all these swings and adding lots of pieces. Uh, A lot of them are younger guys, like Elias Pettersson, the defenseman. If he plays another year in Sweden, he's still a year away from coming over to Abbotsford and then probably would have to work his way up through the ranks. But, uh, you know, the guys that they brought in at the end of the season in the NCAA, like it'll be really interesting to sort of see how it all shakes out. But there's this volume play where the Canucks are hoping that somehow, some way they hit on somebody. And, you know, that's going to... Um, I guess add a bit of a hurdle for a player like Christian Willannon. Like, you know, Akito Hiroshi probably comes in and immediately is above. He's a few years younger, uh, doesn't have the NHL games on his resume that Willannon did, but the organization liked him a lot. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. Whatever. Willannon is no stranger to this. Like, I think he has always dealt with the fact that he's close, but not, you know, right there as a full-time National Hockey Leaguer. Uh, whatever the case. I mean, again, I, I I just think the way that he's embraced the role that he got down in Abbotsford, I heard him talking about uh, being named the defenseman. You know, just seemed really appreciative of uh, the opportunity and everything that they're putting together out in Abbotsford and said he wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, I'm sure he's looked to as a mentor just because he's a little bit older than a lot of the guys in the American Hockey League. Uh, so, yeah, I you know, I, I don't know ultimately how many games he's going to get for the Vancouver Canucks, but I will not be the least bit surprised if he plays some more games yep. at the big league level for the for the Canucks next season. You mentioned the uh, AHL playoffs, which will land in a play with the Abbotsford Canucks. It kicks off 
uh, tonight against Bakersfield. Just taking a look at Bakersfield's uh, lineup right now, and you know their leading scorer Seth Griffith at uh, sixty points in seventy-two games. You know, there's a few uh, familiar names here: Justin Bailey, thirty-two points in uh, fifty-two games there. All three games though will be in Abbotsford, which is a treat for the Abbey fans, I think. And I love that rink down there, by the way. I know you and I were there for the preseason. I just like little barns. I think they're really great to play in. Everybody's on top of the game like that. But again, you know, regardless of really what happens here, I, I think like this has been a success story. And I know we batted it around a little bit on yesterday's pod, but it's been a bit of a, of a success story. You know, not only because of the fact that the Canucks are able to bring their AHL team closer and just sort of uh, the way they're able to move players back and forth, but just in terms of the organization, like, uh, you know, in the city of Abbotsford, like this is great for all of them to have playoff hockey, like this games that matter, you know, in Abbey. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not only for the fans there, but for Canucks management to be able to yeah. you know, zip out. And I would imagine that you'd have a uh, pretty good representation of the Canucks front office and the development staff. Everybody take like, this is where you want to evaluate guys in games that matter. And sure. uh, there haven't been enough of those in Vancouver. So it's great to have playoff hockey in the region. And as you said, best of three with all three games just to save on travel costs. So uh, if it goes the distance, uh, there'll be a game on Sunday, uh, Wednesday, Friday, and then game three, if necessary, is on Sunday. And then from there, uh, they move on. Uh, is it wrong for me to think, like, maybe the Canucks can hope that uh, the Edmonton Oilers have a bunch of injuries and they have to put a call into the farm and, and bring up you know, some black aces for the playoffs and weaken Bakersfield uh, and their lineup? But uh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, just getting started in the playoffs. And I think uh, their roster is set for the time being. But uh, as the playoffs go on, maybe that uh, becomes a reality. But it probably won't impact what's happening here uh, this week with three games. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, just looking forward to seeing, you know, from Arthur Silovs on out, uh, who steps up, who performs well. Uh, and ultimately how far they can go. And it'd be pretty cool if uh, the Abbey Canucks could get on some sort of run that keeps them in the postseason for, you know, a couple of weeks here or better part of uh, a month or whatever. Like they've got a good team. It doesn't look like there's many holes in that roster. And I think the best thing is that uh, it's on the backs of a lot of younger players this time around, rather than, you know, the guys that are lifers in the American Hockey League and sort of, we talked about Will Lannan, but beyond that, it's not a team that is stacked with, 27, 28, 29-year-old guys, uh, the guys that uh, Canuck fans are excited about, you know, whether it's a Linus Carlson or Nils Hoaglander, or we talked about Klimovich yesterday, uh, you know, Arshdeep Baines got a name check yeah. from uh, Patrick Alvin the other day. So, you know, those are the guys. Let's see. Let's see what they look like as pros in the playoffs. Uh, you know, this is new for a lot of these guys. and uh, This is where legends are made. Uh, playoff hockey, whatever level, you know, this is when you want to step up and, and stand out. So let's see who sort of grabs the opportunity and runs with it for uh, the baby Canucks. Maybe they can sneak the real Elias Pettersson into the lineup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we signed him. Three-year entry deal. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. 
Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Freakwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, the place to go to make a play on free casino games and sports odds. For those that don't know, J-Pat uh, has been working with the Hockey News, doing some articles up there, so be sure to check out uh, what he's been doing. But uh, you got a Top 10 Moments article, which I thought was quite intriguing, from the Canucks. And I don't want to dive into all 10 of those moments, and I'll allow the listener to go and do that. Yes. But um, just what, what's a couple that sort of stuck out to you? I got a few that I want to add to your list, but uh, oh, give me okay. a couple that stuck out to you. Well, just a little bit of background, first of all. Anybody that's been with us here at Rinkwide. Uh, no, I like moments, right? Like rather than picking the game of the year or the goal of the year, uh, I, I think it broadens the playing field a little bit. And so, yeah, before the season got too far in the rearview mirror, I just was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to jot down some thoughts of sort of the lasting moments from this past season. And we all know there was uh, an awful lot of drama. So this is on the ice, off the ice. Uh, it's things that stuck with me, things that were good, some were bad, things were out of the norm. You know, moments, snapshots, as I think back on this past season, what were some of the things that kind of tell the story of the season that was for the Vancouver Canucks? And I, I think without a doubt, and I'd be surprised if, I mean, to each their own, but I'd be surprised if other people didn't agree with the, the top of my list was really the end of the line for Bruce Boudreaux. And that moment against the Oilers, the crowds chanting, Bruce, there it is for the final time. And he's tapping his heart. As the team is crumbling around him, he knows he's a dead man walking. Yeah. Uh, it was just so like bizarre, and you know anybody with the, any empathy, you had to feel for the man in the moment. He knew that his, you know, this might be the last time he coaches in the National Hockey League, and he had been put through the ringer. And so for me, that was sort of the moment of the year. And I think really, if you look at this year, it was pretty dysfunctional. Right. I mean, they had to fire a coach. They got off to the 0 7 start. There were just so many twists and turns. Uh, and that one sort of summed it all up for me. So, in a moment, you know, in a season where the Canucks missed the playoffs, I just thought that moment really uh, had to be at the top of my list. And so it was, you know, it was followed pretty quickly by Bo Horvat's trade. Anytime yeah. you take a, a 10 year guy that's part of the organization, drafted, developed, becomes a captain, uh, becomes a goal scoring ace on the power play and everything else. And we knew that it was coming, but you still, you didn't know when and got to the all-star break and kind of scattered. I mean, I went to Palm Springs, you went to Whistler. We kind of thought there was a little break in the action. Nope. <laughs> we had to work. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I just think the the significance of the trade, uh, the timing of it, it signaled. We thought that they were kind of throwing in the towel on the season, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Horvat trade was second on my list. And then... Elias Patterson getting to 100 points. I mean, we charted it, we tracked it, uh, we did a post game pod the night it happened, game 81, uh, in air in Anaheim. Ultimately, added to it uh, with a goal in the final night of the regular season. But I, I, it's significant because I think it's the first of probably multiple 100 point seasons. You hope for uh, yeah. Elias Patterson. Yeah. So you know, I, I just think it, it it's a number. Obviously, there were a bunch of guys that got there this year. Scoring was up around the league, but that doesn't diminish the accomplishment at all. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that I had that pretty high in the list. And again, this 
you know, it wasn't the 10 best moments of the season. These were just memorable moments that are going to stand the test of time as I think back on the season that it was for the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, it, it, I, I kind of worked through it. Uh, I had the night that Petey capped his, uh, that comeback against Montreal when they were down 4 nothing in the first period and then up 5-4 to four, and then, Oh my God, they're trailing again. It was six to five. And wild then he, night, wild you know, night. Mike yeah. Matheson, the tie yes. in there to what happened back in Petey's rookie season in Florida when he got uh, the body slam. So that was certainly a moment uh, that stuck with me. You know, JT Miller slamming the stick in Winnipeg, trying to get Colin Delia to go to the bench again. Like it was a moment. Um, there was a lot of moments this year. Sorry to cut you off. There was a lot of moments this year where the, the hockey world was watching Vancouver. Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> uh, we kept talking about the volume around this team was just yeah. so noisy. Yeah. Uh, so Miller slamming his stick. It was. It was you know out of the norm. It's not something you see in game. Um, you know, went back and watched that highlight a couple of times and forgot that it wasn't just a sl- stick slam. Like as he's circling back with the puck, he's like waving his arm frantically to get Delia to go. Like it was just, it was a crazy moment there. Uh, Kuzmenko scoring on opening night when we, you know, we wondered like, can this guy score goals in the NHL? Yes. He scored on opening night and then added uh 38 beyond that one. But opening night in Edmonton also had a three goal lead for the Canucks and they flushed it and, you know, the home opener against Buffalo where uh, people were angry on opening night and it didn't get a whole lot better in front of the home fans. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, if you just want a little light reading, it's there, thehockeynews.com. I've uh, got the Vancouver page now, and so I just kind of thought uh, I would provide a little season-ending uh, you know, trip down recent memory lane, if you will. So there are others, so we won't get into all of them, but I, I just want to say I got, like, you know, I, I think a lot of people agreed, uh, got lots of good feedback, and I appreciate that. I had some people say, like, you had 10 moments, and, like, there wasn't one of Quinn Hughes and his brilliance, and, you know, it, it stopped me in my tracks, and I thought, you know, you're right. Like, I'm I'm not sure that there's even a Quinn Hughes reference in the article, and that is no intended slight on Quinn Hughes. I think, for me, what it says is Quinn's brilliance was his consistency. You know, every night, on the score sheet, yeah. Um, like I think the, it took him thirty some games to score his first goal, and when he did, I mean that was a, I guess a moment when he circled around the San Jose zone in that game right after Christmas, and finally uh, snapped one home. So that's a moment, but you know, not in my top ten list. But I think really when I look at Quinn Hughes's, it, it wasn't highlight real stuff. It wasn't you know you don't walk away on a given night thinking, oh my god, I, it's just you walk away every night thinking. This guy just does it. He brings it every single night. So, again, no slight. Maybe uh, an honorable mention in there for uh, Quinn Hughes. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny because I had a couple of people that mentioned, ah, there was no Quinn Hughes in your uh, in your moments. Well, uh, Quinn Hughes is going to be providing moments, I think, for years to come here in Vancouver. And uh, maybe we'll find a way to squeeze him into next year's top 10 list. I'm going to hot take this. I think he gets double-digit goals next year. I think that's his. I think that's going to be one of the goals that he wants to set for himself. Uh, in the off season here is to become a better goal scorer. And he saw what his brother yeah. uh, Luke did as well. And that was a fantastic goal for his first uh, NHL goal. So I, I just, I get the feeling that he, Quinn, he was one of those guys I don't think is ever satisfied. I think he always wants to level up and that's what makes him so great as well. So uh, yeah, you're right about him though. It just, there's going to be so many moments with him. It's just always just fantastic passes, like stretch passes. The guy just, he has so many of those yep. uh, in a season. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you on, on that one. Hard to sort of pinpoint it when it comes to Quinn Hughes. Um, the additional ones that I had, uh, I focused in a little bit on Elias Patterson, the five point nights. I mean, he had sure. three of them. 
Yep. They're all at home too, which is amazing. Uh, the first one uh, against Anaheim in that wild 8-5 win. Kuzmenko, you mentioned uh, his first career hat trick uh, that night. Uh, they won against uh, Seattle in that 6-5 comeback win. Petey scores the game-tying goal late in the game. Then he scores the shootout winner. And then that one in February against uh, uh, Philadelphia in a 6-2 win where he had two empty net shorthanded goals that night as well. So three five-point nights, incredible for Elias Pettersson. And, of course, the uh, Seattle game. A- the Seattle game crossed my mind like when I was kind of yeah, you know, brainstorming and, and building out a longer list. That one. Certainly, and again, five point nights are incredible. The empty netters, I don't want to hold them against PD, but the Philly game of the three, I think. And now knowing what Anaheim and how porous they were, yeah, although that was a crazy game with eight third period goals. Uh, but of the three five point nights, just the showmanship, the late goal, and then to win it in the shootout in Seattle was probably the, the uh, uh, personally just like the probably my favorite of the three and so it was on the longer list but uh left on the cutting room floor as it were i put his 14 game point streak on there as well of course he had 20 points over that streak uh, one short of tying the uh, franchise record um also had october 27th in a sea at seattle 5-4 win and if you remember Ah. i was down at that game which is my first chance to check out climate pledge and i encourage anyone that hasn't uh gone to see that rink yet to go rocking on saturday oh man i I would love to go and see a playoff game there we're gonna get to the playoffs in just a moment but so they snapped their seven game winless streak to start the season that night but not only that like the canucks were they were angry that night, Jane Pat. Yeah, Three fights fight, in the yeah. game, two in the first period. Pe- per- Pearson fights Larson. That's an, a weird matchup there. Uh, Miller fights Sosi, and Burroughs fights Geeky in that game. And, and listen, that obviously was frustration boiling over. Feels like Miller sort of, I think he had the second fight of that game. I think Pearson's was first. But Miller, it feels like he sort of took it upon himself to sort of let out that aggression and try to, you know, will his team into the fight and which he did. And then they ended up getting the victory. So a big win over Seattle uh, that night. And of course, stop the bleeding. And then lastly, for me, just March 31st on the pride night, uh, there was so much. And we talked about this on the pod. Uh, I think the post game pod that night, there was just so much negativity around Andre Kuzmenko, not wearing and coming out on the whatever to me. I just, I want to acknowledge again, the players that did and, and the organization, I think they did a fantastic night that night as well. Um, so, you know, again, we always focus too much. I feel like on the negative at times and not enough on the positive. I thought that was a positive from the Canucks that night. Of course, there are many more moments and and people, you know, can hit us up. Totally. You're entitled to your own view. There there was no right or wrong here. This was just, uh, again, lists like these uh, are easy reading and generally kind of spark discussion and people start to go through in their own mind, you know, what stuck out with them. Uh, and mine wasn't you know, limited to the ice because, uh, and again, I don't want to give them all away. Go check it out. But, yes. uh, uh, you know, it, it, yes, it was a hockey season in totality and one that had uh, lots of acts, lots of drama, and unfortunately not enough victories. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. 
Okay, the playoffs, of course, trucking along here. Let's get into some playoff talk, which is presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Start right where the uh, center of the universe is in, in Toronto there, J-Pat. A drubbing by the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I thought the Tampa Bay Lightning were, were, were for the taking this year. I thought they were... They're old. They're past their back yeah. four date. They're... Boy. They didn't look like that last night in a 7-3 victory over Toronto. Same old Leafs, it just feels like, J-Pad. It's it's mind-boggling at this point. I am really interested to see how they respond to this because could you imagine if they go down two buzz headed into Tampa? Uh, I joked on Twitter that, you know, while I miss playoff games, what I really am finding I'm missing is that angst in the markets of the 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 teams that lose the series opener like yes. the overreaction the oh my god it's incredible and someday we'll get the opportunity here in vancouver uh to be part of that as well but uh yeah. you know it's not just toronto obviously in edmonton and uh colorado they're going through that as well but yeah i mean uh you know the leafs were down and then they chipped away and you thought okay there's enough time home ice they've got firepower and then things turned in that second period. Obviously, the Michael Bunting stupidity. Like, that was such a storyline oh going into God. this thing. And he doesn't even get through two periods without crossing the line. And yeah. um, Nazem you know, Kadri 2.0, oh, man. Totally. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's impossible not to think along those lines. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, part of my other takeaway from that series, at least that game is, you're right. Like, I thought they were ancient. I thought, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Pierre Edward Belmar opens the score and Corey Perry is a factor. Uh, Patrick Maroon, like these guys that feel like they've been doing this forever and they have. And yet this is where they earn their keep, right? Like uh, none of those guys are going to blow you away in the regular season, but they're so battle tested, uh, you know, as a team and individually. And I think that showed. And now there's questions about goaltending already in Toronto. And, um, you know, that's the other thing, too, is and he wasn't really forced to be a difference maker. But Tampa kind of slept walk through the second half of the season. They've got the best goalie on the planet still. Like there are other guys that maybe have closed the gap. But Andre Asilevsky is the guy and he has shown it for years now. And when push comes to shove, you know, I still in a one game, I, that's probably my guy. And yeah, so he's a monster. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think since Dominic Hasek, he's the best goalie to, to enter the league. And he's kind of been a sleeping giant because they haven't needed him down the stretch, right? Like yeah. there haven't been games that they had to win to get in. They, they've known they're going to be in the playoffs and they knew they were playing the Leafs since Christmas. And so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, if all else fails for Tampa, you still have to put pucks past that guy. And, yeah. and they got to uh, deal with the mind games. That is John Cooper, because boy, is he the master in all of that. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, fans that are upset, uh, the well, the New Jersey Devils, like they thought their team was going to be uh, one of the teams to compete this year for a Stanley Cup. I'm not saying that uh, they're not out or they're they're done, but a 5-1 victory from the Rangers. We talked about lack of experience. Boy, did it show last night. Yeah, and I, I thought it did. Uh, Rangers starting on the road weren't phased by a uh, hostile environment. Uh, mind you, they had a lot of their own fans uh, in there, and you could hear them every time they scored. Uh, you know, I'm not writing the Devils off. Jack Hughes scores a nice uh, penalty shot goal. And I think that was important. Like, rather than getting blank, just get one. Your best player, you know, he gets a playoff goal. Uh, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what Jersey's obviously going to try to build off. You know, I never worry about a higher-seeded team losing the opener. It happens. And this time, it's happened in six of the eight series, right? The road team has, I guess the road team, uh, yeah, road teams are six or eight in the, in the first couple of nights. So... The home, there will be home teams that respond and tie the series at one, but I would think in six series that 
somebody's going to grab a 2 nothing lead on the road. That's when trouble sets in, obviously. If you're the higher-seeded team, you had home ice advantage, and you're now out on the road down 0-2. So, you know, I'll give Jersey a chance to respond. The Leafs uh, certainly have enough firepower, and and they've got guys that have been through these first-round battles at the very least, not writing the Same with Colorado. I mean, the, the champs, like, I was surprised. Good on Seattle. Uh, but it's one game, and there's a reason you need four to win a series. So, uh, like I think a team like Colorado will show its teeth and its pedigree and all that kind of stuff. Just like Connor McDavid's not going to get held off the score sheet throughout the playoffs, but you know LA did a nice job on on opening night. Uh, still, for New Jersey, you know now it's go time, right? Like uh, you can't spot the Rangers two and heading across the river and yeah. think that you're probably climbing out of that hole. So uh, that's what you love about playoffs. Like right off the bat, now the the stakes go up, the heat is on, all that kind of stuff. Who responds and and ultimately who flames out? Uh, we'll start to get some answers here as we work our way to the weekend. Yeah, you mentioned the Avs loss there, a three one loss to the Kraken, first playoff victory in franchise history for Seattle. I thought I liked the way Seattle played last night. Actually, I thought they were yep. uh, in control of that game. And then Jets beat the uh, Golden Knights five one. That's going to be a weird series, I think, just to begin with, because I, I mean everybody's always talked about the how much firepower the Jets have, and they just, outside of, you know, that conference final they made a few years ago, they really haven't been able to show it, and so they're kind of one of those teams, you're like, what exactly are these guys? But on the other side of the coin, too, it's it, I think you can say the same thing about Vegas, too, right? So... Uh, I think that's going to be a, an interesting series. Probably will go long. Uh, I, I was I, watching I think... that. I was watching that game, and I was thinking to myself, like Rick Tockett, if he had hair, he'd be pulling his hair out. Because remember how he just glowing praise for that Vegas defense, drooling how you know, late in the season he looked over, and, and that's what he wants his Canuck defense to look like. And then they were, yeah. they were, you know, they crumbled last night. And I was like, poor Rick Tockett. He's like, hey, hang on a second, like that's. Uh, but good on the Jets. Um, you know, I'm not sure where Vegas's goaltending is going to take them in this series. And and the fact that Lauren Boswag got the start, I would think they probably come back with Jonathan Quick for game two. But um and and you know, we spent a lot of time on yesterday's pod talking about uh, third line centers. One guy that we didn't mention was Adam Lowry. Yeah. Now, Adam Lowry, you know, he's he earned himself a, a fairly sizable contract. He's been a lifer there in Winnipeg and um, you know, I'm not sure that I like 30 year old Adam Lowry at three and a half million bucks or 3.25, but the idea of a 26 year old Adam Lowry, like sign me up. That's the kind of, to me, that's the kind of player like mean, uh, face off penalty kill has some touch and can score you some goals. Uh, not going to back down. Like that's a piece that I think the Canucks are missing a guy with some real snarl. Uh, and they can bring some edge to your team. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about all these other, that was a guy that we overlooked and we shouldn't have, uh, because I think, you know, again, not at three and a half, I, I, the Canucks aren't looking for that kind of player, but the Adam Lowry before he got the contract extension, uh, I think would check off a ton of boxes for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I think we should do a deeper dive episode into uh, into that, into three Cs, because I, I know we batted around a few names, but I think if we sort of really sunk our teeth into it, we could probably find a, a few more candidates. Well, as we did yesterday, I mean, we identified guys that are third-line centers now with their teams, but most of them aren't available. And Adam Lowry's under contract for a bunch more years, so I'm not suggesting he's the guy, but I'm, the idea of that kind of player, to me, represents what the Vancouver Canucks absolutely could use. Okay, lastly here, uh, uh, Bodog, best bet. I'm uh, over 2 now with my uh, bo- best bets here in the playoffs. I had Matthews and McKinnon both to score one-plus goals uh, yesterday. Didn't hit on that one. Tonight, I'm feeling good about this one, though. Connor McDavid over 1.5 points at plus 125. 
Connor McDavid is not going to be not denied on the score sheet. We know that, but we also know the way the Kings play and they don't give up a heck of a lot of goals. So we'll see exactly if LA can, you know, hold down uh, Connor McDavid for another game. But to, to, to me, I feel like he's going to get it tonight. I feel like uh, Edmonton is going to even the series as well. So head over to Bodog and place your bet. Uh, if you're feeling that one, or perhaps you've got uh, something else you want to get to. All right, Jay Pat, uh, it's been another episode of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always gets.